Hello, and welcome to How to Sell a House in Central PA, an insider's guide to selling a home in the greater Harrisburg area. I'm Derek Bixler, experienced real estate professional and educator in Central PA, and I want to inform and empower home sellers by providing inside tips and strategies to help them sell their homes for more money, thereby keeping Central PA strong for everyone. In this podcast, we'll provide important information for home sellers through quick tips, interviews with related local professionals, and access to free tools and resources. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show or have an idea for a guest, please message us at howtosellahouse.org. That's howtosellahouse.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is a rare intro to the intro. Um, I just listened to this episode back, I always proof it before I put it out, and I realized that um, I mispronounced the guest's name in my intro, and the funny thing is, uh, in the beginning of the episode itself, um, we talk about how his name is tough to pronounce, or, or when you see it, you think it's tough to pronounce, and he says it's easy to pronounce, I learned it, and then I go and I... Uh, I recorded the intro and I was all excited that I said it quickly and knew it and everything and I put it down and just listened to it back and realized that I said it completely wrong and I'm a complete moron so uh, gotta correct that so a little intro to the intro his name is not Jason San Servino it's Jason San Severino it's Jason San Severino of my closing um, I thought it would be fun to leave it in there though so uh, here's the intro and the episode see ya Hey everyone, this episode is with Jason Sanservino. Had to practice that last name a couple times, but as he says in the beginning of the episode, you just sound it out phonetically and it works out, so it actually does. It just looks a little intimidating when you see it in print. So uh, this episode is Jason Sanservino with my closing. They handle short sales, short sale negotiations. They handle dealing with the banks and everything if you're in in over your head with your home. Um, he's the guy to talk to. So, um, this episode will walk you through if you're in over your head with a loan and you can't make your payments, you have some hardships and you think a short sale, uh, a short sale is basically if, if you owe more money than the house is now worth, um, that, that would put you in a short sale situation sometimes, but you have to prove that you have a hardship and also can't make the payments on said house uh, for whatever reason. So Jason goes into it very deep, um, awesome content, very usable. If you need help with a short sale or you think you might need help, just need to talk to somebody about it. You can give me a call or give Jason a call. All the people at my closing are awesome and will do a fantastic job. I wouldn't do a short sale without Jason. Um, so we'll get right into it right now. Jason Sanservino, my closing. <laughs> I like that. What's the craziest thing? Thank you. <laughs> Some yes. people. I had I did a interviewed uh, Tim Colgan, Colgan Associates uh, oh, attorneys. I did a, a divorce. The episode was about divorces, what to do with the house or, okay. or how to handle all that whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did not really have a crazy story that he could share. So not all of this is applicable every time, yeah. but um, usually just start off um, 
I mean, I guess we can just get into it. I'll ask you about you. You talk about you, how you got in the business, and then we'll kind of go through a few things. And it goes pretty quick. A half hour goes quick. And then. Yeah. Well, when I was doing the the radio show with John, it seriously was 40 minutes and it went by really fast. Don't I have headsets? I don't have headsets. (laughs) No, nobody ever wants. I used to have one and nobody ever wants to wear it. So I don't do it. That's all right. And I usually actually, I might not the whole time. Um, I just got to make sure we're both. And you can cut and paste and, you know, edit. Uh, I can. I I typically don't. It's just, have you listened to podcasts before? I haven't listened to yours. Have you listened to any interview podcasts? Sure. They're not edited. It's just a a long form chat interview yep um i mean obviously i can enter i can edit it i've only out of five i've only edited one and that was about a one second snippet yeah um turn it turn it down (laughs) all right okay volume's down i'm ready when you are all right uh, welcome everybody to How to Sell a House in Central PA, an insider's guide to selling a home in the greater Harrisburg area. I'm Derek Bixler. I'm here with Jason, and I'm going to let you say your last name when you give the introduction. But um, Jason from my closing, uh, they handle short sale negotiations and everything from the beginning to the end, dealing with the bank and everything, and he'll tell us more about it. Um, so we'll start off with welcoming Jason, and you can tell Thank us a little you. bit about yourself and how you got in the business and yada, yada. All right. Uh, well, for, first and foremost, last name San Severino. Okay. It's actually it's it's actually it sounds exactly the way it's spelled. So if you read it phonetically, it's just a big scary last name. So people see the big last name, and they get scared. Like, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if you if you just spell it out and sound it out, San Severino, it's super easy. Um, uh, yes, I am with my closing. I work as a short sale negotiator there. I also do a little bit of marketing here and there with uh, like podcasts with Derek. And <laughs> I actually got into the business 1997, which means that I've been in the business now for, oh goodness gracious, uh, was that 20, 21 years? Yeah, 21 years. That sounds about right. That's when I graduated high school. There you go. So I I first got my real estate license in 97, uh, got involved in real estate with a land developer, did land development, subdivisions, new construction. Then I started doing resales uh, and and just working as a traditional realtor would, you know, listing homes and working with buyers. Uh, Then I got into uh, investing in real estate, buying real estate, doing rehabs and flips uh, then, uh, you know, of course, I, I acquired rental properties through the investment, which is a whole nother topic, uh, <laughs> landlord and tenant issues. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, as uh, the real estate market shifted in 2007, 2008, I started doing more and more short sales because they were just coming across my desk like like crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, my, my real estate career as a realtor kind of slowed down uh, and then I just really went full swing into doing short sales. And uh, when my closing opened their shop uh, about 2010, uh, I worked with the, uh, the, the title agent who worked with my closing. I worked with her quite a bit on my investment properties. She encouraged the owner of my closing to reach out to me and say, talk to Jason, he really you know, is, is uh, you know, the short sale guy that you really want on your team. And really, ever since that period, I've just been doing short sales full time. I, I still do have a real estate license. Um, I'm required to keep a license to do short sales. Okay. But I have not listed and sold a home as a realtor since really 2010. 
And did you take any training for short sales or you just figured it out <laughs> along the way, which is usually the way things are done? Or? Well, I, I did when, when short sales really started, um, you know, I, I went on the, the Internet and I looked at uh, what other people were doing on short sales. I did go to a couple seminars that were held locally. Uh, but really, did I have any formal training in short sales? No, I had I had the school of hard knocks. Uh, I I think I hit every single bump on the way. Uh, now there are all kinds of things, you, training courses and, and certifications you could take and for REOs and all these things. But back yeah. when you started, maybe not as much. No, there wasn't There wasn't a whole lot of formal training, uh, but there was a, a lot of um, internet blogs that you can read. And there were a lot of groups of realtors that were doing more and more short sales. And of course, you had National Association of Realtors doing some information about short sales. Um, and truthfully, now, now that there's a, a lot of short sale training out there, I do review some of it, most of it, and most of it is, is good, uh, but it doesn't really give you the experience that you have after doing short sales for, you know, 10 plus years. Right. Yep. Wow. School of hard knocks. <laughs> yes, indeed. So I guess a, a, a good place to start would, would be how does... Where do you come into the picture in the in the timeline of, of everything? And well, I guess I guess we could start with how does somebody get into the situation of a short sale? They have to stop making payments, or how does that officially well, no. kind of happen? I mean, the, the definition of a short sale. Uh, I mean, you know, stopping making payments and being delinquent—that's part of the whole unfortunate foreclosure short sale scenario. Um, but the way that homeowners really get into a short sale is they they buy a home. They uh, have liens against the home, first mortgages, second mortgages, what have you. And those liens exceed the true market value of the home currently. So if you bought a house in 2010 and you bought, bought it for 150 and you have it mortgaged at 145 and the house is only worth you know, 120, you're, you have negative equity. And negative equity is really the start of a short sale. You, you know, you have to have negative equity for, for you to be qualified for a short sale. But the truth is, Having negative equity is half of the puzzle. The other half of the puzzle is having a hardship because when I go to the mortgage companies, you know, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you name it, uh, I need to explain to the bank why. You know, hey, Bob and Susie have to sell their house. They owe more than the house is worth. Uh, you guys are going to take a loss. And the mortgage company says, well, yeah, we get it, but, but why? You know, did somebody die? Did somebody lose a job? Are they getting divorced? Is it a forced relocation? You know, why do we have to agree to a short sale? Um, so that's really part of the puzzle with the short sale. You have to have negative equity, and you also have to have a hardship that explains why. And if you don't have a hardship, you just have negative income or negative equity. It's not a short sale. Uh, we have we have homeowners that have uh, you know they got married. They had, had two kids, now they have their third kid. The house that they bought when they got married is too small. And because the house is too small, they decided, well, gee, you know, we're going to have to buy a bigger house. You know, now we have another kid. Uh, and they buy a bigger house. Lo and behold, they find out that the house that they currently own is on the market. It has negative equity now because they've been doing <clears throat> price reductions. They can't get a buyer. And sure enough, you know, uh, their realtor calls my closing and they encourage, hey, call my closing. You know, they're the short sale guys. The homeowner calls us and we talk to the homeowner to realize that they actually just bought a bigger, better house. And they're trying to unload the smaller house that they outgrew. 
And I explained to him that that's really not, not a, a hardship. short sale. <laughs> oh, right. It's not a hardship. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a hardship because they voluntarily chose to buy another house. And good for them. I mean, it's a bigger, better house. You know, they had a kid, you know, had multiple children. Now they need a bigger house. Good for them. Problem is, is that the house that they're trying to sell, if it does have negative equity, it's not a short sale because they don't have a hardship. But technically, they do have a hardship because they bought another house, but it's a voluntary hardship. Right. You know, that, that's like me saying oh, that sure. I can't afford my mortgage payment because I just bought a, a brand new Mercedes. Right, right, right. I can't afford it. Well, so there are. You chose to buy that car. Yeah. Yeah. So are there times when it would go to foreclosure? If someone couldn't pay for what they overextended themselves for whatever yeah. reason, they just wouldn't qualify for the short sale. So in that case, they would just kind of have to let it go or. Yeah, it could happen. Push it to yeah. I mean, what what we always talk to when when we when we have homeowners that call us, uh, we try to give them options. And and if a short sale really is not a viable, plausible option for them, we kind of give them alternatives. Uh, you know, one of the alternatives would be you know just to rent the property. You know, if 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 a short sale is not in your future maybe renting it might be the best way to make ends meet. Um, and, and if, uh, you know, maintaining the mortgage payment is not an option, renting it's not an option, and you just want to move on, uh, you know, we can talk to homeowners about maybe bankruptcy. Maybe bankruptcy might be the right option. Maybe. Um, if, if, if a short sale is just not an option for them and they choose not to do anything else, you know, it ends up on, on the foreclosure block. And uh, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. So, what are the what are some hardships that would? I mean, definitely losing your job or getting yeah, laid off. Loss. Yep. Um, what are some other really well, big ones? The, divorce or any yeah, kind of divorce. Sad, sad but true. Uh, a, a good volume of short sales that we work on are actually due to divorces. Um, you know, the the people get married, they buy a house, they they borrow money together, and they end up splitting. And uh, divorce is, is one of the large, large hardships that we do work with. Um, involuntary forced relocation, uh, we work with that. We have homeowners that work for companies and the companies are transitioning to different areas. And, you know, you're working now in, in you know, Camp Hill, but we have a new job for you in Michigan. You know, your job in Camp Hill is being downsized because we're moving our operation to Michigan. Either you move with us or you lose your job. Um, that's a forced reload. Uh, the other one is uh, income reduction, uh, loss of job, obviously. Loss of job is big. Uh, income reduction is big. Um, uh, uh, military, if you have a military uh, homeowner that has a permanent change of station, right, you get right. relocated from the Navy depot or somewhere else, permanent change of station is a, is a pretty easy hardship to, to document. So there's, there's a lot of hardships that we, we work with. Um, and as long as it's something that can be proven, it, we're we're usually successful in, in working with that short sale. How does it uh, how does it affect people's credit? Well, um, in most of the short sales that we work work on, uh, the the homeowner actually contacts a realtor, says you know, hey Derek, um, I, I have this house uh, in Camp Hill. Uh, you know, my wife and I are getting divorced. We haven't made a payment in three months. We need to sell it. At that point, the homeowner contacts you. You say, you know what? Talk to Jason over at my closing. They can start working on reviewing you for a short sale. Uh, as far as credit, many of the homeowners that we work with, 
they actually are already delinquent. You know, sometimes they're delinquent several months. There's even homeowners that are actually in foreclosure. Some have a share of sale scheduled. So I explained to the homeowner that the impact on the credit for the short sale itself is going to be a drop in the bucket compared to your delinquency and your foreclosure. Uh, generally speaking, uh, we, we, I, have a, I have a FICO spreadsheet, FICO, Fair Isaacs Company, uh, that does credit models. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, uh, a short sale will, will hit you down about 200 points, generally speaking, but it varies. It really does. I mean, that's um, a pretty... <clears throat> it's a pretty big hit. It's a big... And if the other ones are even bigger, yeah. after all that, you're... Well, what's, what's interesting is we do talk to homeowners about credit, and we talk to them about what their credit looks like now. If you're four months delinquent, your credit already took a 200-point drop. And because your credit took a 200-point drop, the short sale impact itself is going to be minimal. You know, it's not it's not going to drop at another 200 points. Right. You know, it's going to stay with that 200-point drop. But when predicting credit scores and how the credit modeling works, it's really difficult to gauge from one homeowner to the other. It's, it's almost impossible. Homeowners ask me all the time, well, how's this going to hurt my credit? And I said, well... Homeowners that we work with that have good credit typically retain decent credit. Homeowners that we work with that have bad credit to start off with, well, you know, it's just really going to hurt their credit. But it's better, the short sale's better than it going through a foreclosure to a sheriff's sale. Because when it goes to a sheriff's sale, your credit really is going to hit the tank pretty bad. And then there's also a possibility of future liability even after the sheriff's sale, depending on what type of loan they have. Right. They might be liable for the balance owed even after the sheriff's sale. People think the sheriff's sale happens, I'm done. Sheriff's sale happens, I don't have any more recourse. Well, guess what? You know, after the sheriff's sale, you might end up owing the bank money. Could happen. Huh. Yeah. So what you're, people are usually calling you after they've probably stopped paying and probably possibly looked into talk to a realtor or gotten some pricing on their home and figured yeah. out that it's not I can't even sell it for what I owe. Yeah. Um, so then they call you. What are the steps? They fill out a bunch of paperwork to kind of to apply with you, and then you start talking to the you interview them and do your thing. And if you think they're a good candidate for them, you then start talking to the bank. That's the next step. Correct. Yeah. And they do an appraisal. They will eventually. Um, most homeowners that call us uh, aren't current. They're, they're not current on their loan. They're already a few months past due. Uh, the homeowners call us because they already have contacted a real estate agent. That real estate agent either has worked with us before in the past or knows somebody who has. And that realtor recommends that the homeowner talks to my closing. Once the homeowner talks to my closing, we'll go through a pre-qualifying interview with the homeowner. We're going to go through um, what's going on with their hardship because we want to pre-screen them. We want to verify if if my closing feels that they'd be successful in a short sale because not every homeowner that we talk to is really qualified for a short sale. And at that point, we would notify the homeowner of options and we would contact the agent who referred that homeowner to us and we would say, hey, uh, Derek, you know, we spoke to your homeowner, Susie and Joe. We really don't think they're going to be qualified for a short sale because they bought a bigger, better house because they just had another kid and they need to sell their house in Camp Hill, but they owe more than it's worth. We don't think they'd be successful for a short sale. So, 
you may want to talk to the homeowner about other options and, and quite honestly, you may not want to list it because you're going to be stuck with a listing that you can't sell because they owe more than the house is worth. Right. Um, but we'll go through a, a pre-screening interview with the homeowner. We'll also do a, 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 a very simple title search on the property to see what else is going on. Uh, yeah, they have a first mortgage, they have a second mortgage. Let's see if they have credit card judgments. Do they have domestics? Do they have spousal support, child support? Do they have IRS judgments? Do they have a car repo? We want to know what's going on on the title side of things because when we're working on the short sale, we're also trying to help clear the title so that when the short sale is approved, you guys can go to settlement because the last thing you want to do is have my closing negotiate a short sale and then find out that there's a credit card judgment. There are 20 other liens. Or there's or, 20 or, other liens. Yeah. Or, or there's a, a water sore and trash judgment. You know, you didn't pay your hand in township sore bill and they slapped a lien against you. Great. Now what? You know, who's paying that? So my closing will not only screen the homeowners, but we're going to do a title search, make sure that we're clearing title so that you guys can go to a successful settlement. Um, once we do talk to the homeowner and once we determine that they're a good candidate for a short sale, you talked about paperwork. And uh, yeah, what we'll do is we will determine their mortgage servicer, you know, Bank of America, Wells Fargo Chase, who's their mortgage servicer. We'll also determine what type of, what type of loan they have. Is it an FHA, VA, USDA, Fannie Freddie, all those good things. Sure. And then at that point, we can create a short sale packet that they have to fill out. It's going to have financial forms. They have to fill out financial forms. They have to provide bank statements, pay stubs, tax returns. But what we do is we simplify the process because we know the documents the mortgage company is going to need. So we do that all up front for the homeowner. You know, it kind of streamlines the whole process. Hey, everyone. We're always on the lookout for good content for the podcast and our website. If you have any ideas for guests, any questions we could answer, or any ideas for topics, please go to howtosellahouse.org. That's howtosellahouse.org and drop us a message there. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Thanks in advance for your input. It's much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. That's why why people use you. It's, right. If you try to stumble through this, I mean, I've done short sales on my own before and I've done some commercial ones too and actually the commercial ones were easier because I could just yeah, call right. the guy at PNC and say sure. hey this isn't worth it here's the comps and he'd right. say okay go sell it Yep. Um, but with, with residential it's a whole different thing and you can yeah. muddle through it but why would you even want to do that and especially as a realtor I don't yeah. I don't want to do it I'd rather have somebody well, who the, knows what they're doing handle it and I you mean, know how to deal with the banks right I don't, right. I don't know how to talk to these right. banks or and what they want when it comes down to my closing, I, I constantly get phone calls from realtors, and they say, well, you know, why should we work with you? And I said, well, why, why wouldn't you want to? Um, we don't charge sellers, so sellers don't, char- don't pay anything to my closing. We don't charge realtors. Uh, we do charge buyers a small loss mitigation fee, but when we negotiate the short sale, we request that the buyer's title and transfer taxes paid through the short sale. Right. Uh, when it comes down to a real estate agent, see, when, when I was a realtor and I was negotiating short sales, the, the listing agents would kind of kick me some of their commission. You know, I'd get paid from their commission, like a referral fee. Sure. And that was beneficial for me, and it was beneficial for the listing agent because the listing agent didn't want to waste their time doing a short sale because they were out listing and selling homes. So when it comes down to why work with my closing, 
yes, we're professional. Yes, we know the short sale rules. We know the paperwork. We know the bank lingo. We, we have the process. I, I kind of say it's perfected. My closing has perfected the short sale process with lenders so we can make the process quicker and smoother for everybody involved. But for the seller, they know that they have a professional company working in their best interest to get a short sale done. The realtor also has a, a vendor, a third-party professional short sale company working on their behalf for the transaction, and it doesn't cost the realtor a dime. You know, I, I talked to real estate brokers about working with my closing, and, and at that point, uh, I explained to them that, number one, when my closing is working on the short sale, your realtor, your agent, is out there generating more business while we're working on the short sale. So oh, for sure. it increases the bottom line for the realtor and it increases bottom line for the broker. You know, instead of you sitting in the office working with Bank of America, sitting on hold, you know, you're sitting on hold with Bank of America while you could be out with a buyer, you know, or you could be out listing property or you could be at an open house. Oh, yeah. You know, why would you not have my closing negotiate your short sales? Because by hiring us, you technically can make more money. Right. And right. fumbling it th through it and not knowing if you're even doing it correctly and right. did I do something wrong along the way. And it's yeah. just, yeah. And on the buyer's side, and yep. I can speak from experience, it was great having you guys involved because <clears throat> your automation, number one, <laughs> yeah. and automation and follow-up and keeping everybody informed is, yep. is crazy good. Yeah. But also it... Uh, on the buyer side, you never really trust a listing agent because no, there are no listing agents that specialize in short. There sure. are some REO and bank owned, but yeah. short sales, maybe some, but not really and not just the average agent. So if I see it's a short sale and yeah. it's not a couple agents who I know are good with those, there better be my closing or somebody <laughs> involved because I don't want to... I got to tell my buyer, we're going to sit here. Could be months, could be never, yeah. never know what's going to happen. And it still is somewhat that way because you're somewhat at the mercy of the bank and these things, these processes that they have in place sure. that yep. are happening yep. and this ticking time bomb of when it's going to, to sure, sale or so, whatever. Right. But uh, with you guys involved, it's, I mean, I felt, I felt very taken care of and well, I would, every time I would use it. Well, cool. Thank you. And it could a, a homeowner could, if, somebody was selling their house by owner or, or whatever, they could contact you directly and still get your services? Absolutely. Um, well, as far as a FISBO, um, we do have homeowners occasionally call us directly, uh, very few and far between, because my closings marketing is not directed to homeowners specifically. Our marketing has always been directed to realtors. Uh, but we do have a couple homeowners that have heard about us, heard us on the radio, got a flyer, somebody said, call my closing. Um, for sale by owners are not going to be qualified for a short sale because the mortgage servicers are going to demand that it's listed. So uh, if a for sale by owner calls us and says, hey, we want to do a short sale, uh, but we're going to sell it ourselves to save the commission, uh, I would simply say to them that their mortgage company will not allow that. Their mortgage company will demand that the home is listed. It's and they'll factor on the that in there and they get it. Right. Well, they want the highest and best offer. And, um, you know, for sale by owners are, are not always real estate professionals. And they want to so. make sure it happens and the right. and, and truth, eyes are dotted. And, and truth be told, if it's a for sale by owner and they're a short sale, if they're, if they're a for sale by owner because they're trying to, quote unquote, save the commission, well, in a short sale, the commission is actually deducted from the bank's proceeds. So the seller is really not technically paying it out of their pocket. Right, right. So they're already they upside down. So yeah. It why would even they? Matter. Why would they try to sell it on their own? It doesn't doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, most realtors that have worked with us, whenever they get a short sale listing or they have a prospective short sale listing, really the first phone call should be to us. You know, hey, I'm going to have a listing appointment with these homeowners. They already pre-warned me that they're upside down or they think they're upside down or maybe the realtor thinks they're upside down. Before you, <coughs> excuse me, before you even go on your listing contract or before you even go on your listing appointment, save yourself the time. You know, have the homeowner do a pre-interview with my closing. We're going to min- minimize your risk. And, and that's what it's all about with, with my closing. It's about risk mi- minimization. Yeah, We're going to minimize your risk by going on a listing appointment for a homeowner that's upside down that might not be qualified for a short sale. So instead of going on that listing appointment to lo and behold, find out that they're not really qualified, you can save yourself time and be more efficient. Just say, you know what, before I meet with you, I'd like you to talk to my closing. They're going to pre-screen you to verify that you're qualified for a short sale. Yeah. If you're qualified for a short sale, let's get together. If you're not qualified for a short sale, the guys at my closing will give you other options and hopefully they're, they're qualified. Let's rent it. Let's do it. I tend to try yeah. to talk people into renting their houses anyway, but nobody ever wants to do it. I've had rentals. I, I know what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. You can automate so much stuff now. It's mm-hmm. not as bad. I mean, it's still a pain in the butt to manage well, you can, tenants. But. You, can, you can automate the actual you know collection of rent and so forth, but when it comes down to tenants destroying your property, you can't automate For that. For sure. Yeah. 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 And now all of a sudden your tenant bashes holes in your drywall and destroys your carpet and your, your washer and dryer is destroyed. <laughs> you know, you can't automate that. Yeah. That's um, when you need the, the best handyman in the world on yeah, call. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which is tough. Um, so the bank, the bank wanted, so that brings me back to the appraisal. Yes. The okay. bank does an appraisal <clears throat> and that's just what you mandatorily have to list it at or? Well, no, not, not always. Not always. It depends on the type of loan that you're working with. Uh, every type of loan has their own short sale process. So if you're working on a VA short sale or an FHA short sale or a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac short sale, they're all slightly different. Fannie Mae will do an appraisal uh, and they'll also do some electronic desktop values and they'll come up with what they call their suggested list price. Uh, I always call that what they want. That's their suggested list price is really what they want. But uh, with Fannie Mae, if their suggested list price is too high and you put it on the market for their suggested list price and you can't find a buyer and you, you know, do price reduction, price reduction, price reduction, and boom, you find a buyer, all you do is, is initiate a value dispute with Fannie Mae and explain to Fannie Mae why their suggested list price is wrong. Uh, gotcha. Provide comps, contractor estimates, photos of, of damage, uh, home inspections. That stuff is perfect evidence to encourage Fannie Mae to reduce their value. And time on market, and we've marketed yeah, it for, we've tried it, yep. we didn't just yep. start we, here. Yeah, yeah, it's been on the market for 30 days at 150. You said it was worth 150. It's been on the market for 30 days. We dropped it to 140. It's on 30 days. We dropped it to 130. Now it's at 130. We get an offer for 125. Well, obviously your value of 140 might not be accurate. So we can we can go to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and all the other uh, loan investors, and we can we can initiate a value dispute. The only time that you're really tied to an appraisal is when you have government loans, FHA, VA, and USDA. Those three will do an appraisal. Uh, that's if it's FHA it will be an FHA appraisal, VA, VA appraisal. And what they do is they demand a certain percentage of that appraisal. So if you have an FHA short sale 
and the appraisal comes in at 100, uh, the mortgage servicer is going to require a certain uh, or certain net proceed based off of that appraisal. Sure. And it's, it's written in stone, it's ironclad. You can try to do a value dispute on those government-backed loans, but it's very hard um, because those value disputes actually go back to the appraiser. And the appraiser is going to be the one who has to concede and say, well, maybe my adjustments weren't quite they love that part. Well, yeah, not only do they love it, but they, they push it back real hard. Yeah. Um, uh, appraisers are very unlikely to acknowledge that maybe they were wrong. Um, so when we have to do value disputes for uh, FHA, VA, or USDA short sales, it's really difficult. We've been successful on a few. Uh, and when I mean a few, I mean like, you know, 5% of them. Yeah. Uh, but it's really challenging to do a, a value dispute on those government-backed loans. Huh. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or other type of conventional loans, they're actually easier. They're easier to do a value dispute. And as long as we have the correct proof and the correct paperwork, it's, it's fairly simple. So here's a question. What if, what if somebody's upside down, I don't know, 110, they owe 110, it's worth 90. Okay. So they're 20,000 underwater. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's better to go get a loan and sell this thing, assuming they can do that. <laughs> That's a, or that was the key short, word. Or short sale it. I mean, if they're capable of getting a loan, then they probably can't show a hardship, which means they probably wouldn't qualify for a short sale. That's pretty much where I was going to go with it. Yeah? Yeah. If We actually have a homeowner right now. Um, it's it's a, a property outside of Philadelphia. Um, they had it Mine under, is based on one I'm doing right now. There you go. Based <laughs> on one you're doing right now. Well, well we, we have a homeowner right now, right outside of Philadelphia. House is on the market. They have a buyer. They were supposed to go to settlement. And lo and behold, the buyer's title company found out that there's some IRS judgments. Mm. Well, we did some research and we determined that the homeowner is only about $30,000 short. And we're talking about a $570,000 house. Right. $30,000 short is really not too big of a deal. I mean, it is, obviously. I mean, right. it's thirty grand short sure. of money. But what we did is we said the same thing to the homeowner. We said, well, you know, um, it might be in better for the homeowner to somehow come up with thirty grand, uh, because technically they're not qualified for a short sale. Uh, they're current on the mortgages. The mortgages aren't delinquent. The, the thing that makes the house underwater is IRS judgments. Uh, so it's not a mortgage-related thing, but it's a title-related thing. And we said, you know, you, you know, you're probably not qualified for a short sale. You may want to just, you know, find that money somehow or borrow it, do a, a signature loan, personal line of credit. So if you have a, if you have a short sale right now where you said, it, you know, they, they owe 110, home's worth 90, so it's a difference of 20. Uh, now, of course, you have to also take into consideration closing costs, real estate commission, and so forth. Um, if a homeowner doesn't really have a hardship... 82.5 is about what they're like. There you go. <laughs> but if a, if a homeowner doesn't have a hardship and they have decent credit, they have a job, sometimes borrowing an unsecured loan is an option. Sometimes it's an option. Uh, and if it's not an option, then you know we, we talk to them about options of what they can do. Um, we do short sales where the actual deficiency ends up being only, you know, five grand, ten grand. I mean, they're really not wow. super short, but they're short. And, you know, when you're talking about a hundred thousand dollar house, when they're five grand short, you know, the homeowners that we're working with are going through a hardship. They have no money. They have zero savings, 
And that $5,000 is, is like a huge elephant in the corner. I mean, it's big. So, you know, the short sales that we do negotiate, some of them have very small deficiencies, but they're still short and they don't have the money. And, right. you know, going through a short sale ends up being the right option for them. Small deficiencies can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got to have, have some feel-good mo- moments when you get people out of uh, – because people are stressed out when this is happening. Yeah. And it's stressful the whole entire time through. Mm-hmm. But at least with you, they can trust that somebody's doing it. And, yeah. and if I was the realtor, I would say, all right, now you can go home and sleep <laughs> and forget about it because we're on the case. And we're going to make it happen and we're going to get you out of it. Yeah. Um, and then when it happens – and the relief they feel, it, it must feel good. Well, the, the, here's, here's the feel-good moment. Um, short sales are complicated. They're time-consuming. They're challenging. They're paperwork-intensive. And, and they're definitely stressful. Uh, and, you know, I think to myself, every morning that I go to work, I, I, I really think about, uh, you know, the difference that, that my closing makes in the homeowners' lives. Uh, the homeowners that we talk to are stressed they're, they're freaked out because maybe the sheriff showed up and served them, you know, with the lawsuit from the bank, the, the mortgage foreclosure lawsuit. Um, you know, they're getting collection calls from the mortgage company five times a day, uh, and they're going through a hardship. You know, they, they lost their job or they're going through some other hardship. They're getting divorced. I mean, talk about stress on top of stress. What I do is, is within my closing, uh, you know, I try to explain to them that, number one, I've been, I went through a divorce, so I've been there. Um, number two, I've been through bankruptcy, so I've been there. Number three, <laughs> I've been through a short sale because when I, when I was getting a divorce, I was a realtor at the time. I was making no money because the real estate market just took a dive. Um, so I was going through a divorce. I filed for bankruptcy. I was going through a short sale. So when I talked to homeowners and I explained to them, listen, I've been there. Nothing that I'm talking to you about, I haven't experienced myself. I've done it. I've been there. I understand your stress. I've actually had homeowners tell me that I talked them off the ledge. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> so so not only do we negotiate short sales, but apparently we're family therapists, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, um, but, I know. But that the, is. The, the, the feel good is once the short sale is done, once the short sale is done, the, the debt's relieved, the house is sold, the homeowners are, I mean, it's the monkey off the back. My closing, it is not unusual for my closing to get gift cards, uh, to get thank you cards, to get letters in the mail from homeowners saying, thank you so much, you know, that you've made such a huge difference in our lives. You know, we feel so relieved and so thankful for everything that you've done. The, the real icing on the, on the cake is when the homeowner is qualified for an incentive if you have a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac short sale, if the home is occupied, if if the homeowners live in the home, they're qualified typically up to three thousand bucks. The homeowner can get three thousand dollars for a Fannie Mae Freddie Mac short sale. Um, for a FHA short sale, they can also possibly get three thousand dollars. So mortgage companies are actually like towards paying their proceeds or no, what? They get How a does check. They- they get a check at settlement. It's what? yep. They get a check at settlement. Um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, six, uh, three grand. Sorry, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, three grand. FHA, three grand. Uh, VA, if it's a VA guaranteed loan, sometimes we can get up to fifteen hundred bucks. Huh? Yeah. So, and it's a check at settlement. You know, when the home settles, you know, the realtors get their commission check. 
Well, the sellers, if if they qualify, could also get a check. What qualifies? Just having enough of a hardship, or fitting, no. fitting some algorithm, or nope, nope. With with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the way that you're qualified for a relocation incentive for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, you have to live in the house. Don't vacate the home. Don't abandon the home. Stay in the house. Huh. Um, simple as that. You, you don't have to be current. You could be delinquent. You could be in foreclosure. You could be. You could have a sheriff sale next week and still be qualified for that incentive. Wow. Um, FHA, same same situation. FHA, you have to live in the house. You can't abandon the home. Don't abandon the home. Stay in the house. Um, and the offer for FHA, remember how we talked about the net proceed, minimum net proceeds based on the appraisal price? Right. As long as the contract is meeting the minimum net proceeds and there's money available, the homeowner has the ability to retain three grand. Wow. Sure thing. Yeah, how about that? That's cool. I mean, hey, so, you can't beat that. No. So so talking about the feel good moment, that's the feel good moment. It's it's you know, you see their you see the calm. I mean that's really what it is. You see the calm, they're like, Oh, thank God this is yeah. this is over. Because I mean when that stuff happens, yeah. they hound the crap out of you. Yeah, the mortgage companies, right? I forget to yeah. mail my mortgage for mm-hmm. one month, and they're calling two days after the two day yeah. hound. And the, I mean, I couldn't yeah. even imagine what yep. the, well, the letters have, and the calls and the. Oh yeah, they're, they'll they'll send letters all the time. They'll send duplicate, triplicate letters. Um, I actually sometimes receive those letters because we're an authorized third party on the file. They'll send mm-hmm. letters to me, saying, <laughs> uh, "Hey, your homeowner hasn't paid the mortgage." I'm like, "Yeah, no kidding. We know that." Um, wow. Some of the homeowners that we work with, they actually call me up and they're, they're really stressed and, and upset. You know, a mortgage company keeps calling me five, ten times a day. Can't you get them to stop? Don't they know they're working on a short sale? And I, <laughs> no, I, they don't. No, but they do. But the thing is, is that the collection department and the loss mitigation department are two separate departments. Sometimes they're in two separate buildings in two separate states. They don't even talk to each other. They don't right. even know what, what one side is doing and the other side is doing. So... We have homeowners that are just so upset. They're like, they keep on calling me. Oh, and, and then I tell them that I'm doing a short sale and they have no record of it. They don't know what I'm talking so about. So in that case, should they should they answer and tell them every time? Or should they just say, once once you're involved, just ignore all the calls and well, let us do it? I leave it up to I leave it up to the homeowners. Whatever they want to do, if they want to pick up the phone call, because I'd just be putting my phone on silent and want to look at it ever yeah. again until I went right. to the settlement table yeah. and let you talk to these people. Well, the the phone calls that they get, some homeowners pick it up, some of them don't. Um, the phone call is the same. It is a debt collector trying to collect debt, and it's the collection department looking for money. When can you pay us? What, you know, when can you pay us money? How much can you pay us today? Um, so I leave it up to the homeowner. If the homeowner wants to take the phone call, take it. If they don't want to take it, don't take it. It's sure. really it doesn't affect the short sale process. Uh, just block the number. Yeah, I guess. I <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Well, this has been awesome. We're about 40 minutes, and I know you have to get out of here. Yeah. Um, so we'll wrap it up. Maybe we'll do another episode. This was awesome. Yeah, sure. Um, great. I mean, usable content for everybody listening, for sure. Yeah. I uh, want to thank you for coming in. Totally. Um, before we go, give your phone number, your website, all that stuff, how people can find you, plug yourself. You betcha. Phone number, real simple. Uh, local phone number, 3301 and you can really talk to anybody at my closing we're all specially trained to uh, work with homeowners uh email address for me uh, go ahead and shoot me an email because i'll i'll respond to your email jason j-a-s-o-n at myclosing.com and that's just m-y-c-l-o-s-i-n-g 
and then website, of course, www.myclosing.com. There's a whole bunch of uh, client testimonials, testimonials from sellers, from buyers, from realtors, uh, and some really good information about foreclosure and how the process works. Uh, so we're, we're always here uh, Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 5, taking phone calls. And uh, I check my email all day throughout the day. So reach out to us if you're in a short sale situation and you need help. Yeah, definitely give Jason a call. I can speak from experience. It is the best experience you could have doing a short sale. I've done it without somebody handling it and with somebody handling it now. And Jason and his crew make it seamless and, and almost easy. And I wouldn't have a problem doing it again as long as you were involved with it. I'd exactly. be I'd be fine with it. So you got it. give Jason and my closing a call if you need to do any short sales um, or just need info or need to talk to somebody about it. They can help you out and put you in the right direction. Um, and check out other episodes of How to Sell a House in Central PA on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere you find podcasts now. Um, check out us, us out on Facebook and Instagram, yada, yada, yada. Uh, thanks for listening and see you later. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We hope you got some good, actionable information out of the show that you can go use today to sell your home for the most money possible. More tips and strategies at howtosellahouse.org. That's howtosellahouse.org. If you have any questions or ideas for guests or topics, you can message us on Facebook or again, find us at howtosellahouse.org. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome day.